0: Welcome to The Corner Booth. I'm Chris Tripoli, along with my friend Barry Schuster, the founding editor of
1: Restaurant Startup and Growth Magazine. How you doing, Barry? I'm doing well, Chris. Thanks very much for asking. I'm looking forward to talking to our special guests today and finding out how they got in the restaurant business, why they got in the restaurant business, and hearing some pearls of wisdom from them uh, that be useful to our, our listeners today. Absolutely. And we're going to have some fun because we've got a really good show lined up so uh, grab a drink make yourself comfortable and welcome to the corner booth
0: this week we're very fortunate to have on the corner booth with us tracy vaught tracy welcome thank you tracy has been a houston icon multiple concepts uh ranging from american cafe mexican seafood so we're so happy that you were able to take your time away from
2: your schedule
1: today join us on the corner booth Ah. welcome again
2: thank you for having me
1: very nice to meet you tracy um so my first question is, how did you get into the restaurant business? My understanding is that uh, you went down a very different path when you uh, began your career and your education. Can you tell us a little bit more about that?
2: Sure. Um, I was uh, uh, went to University of Texas and uh, majored in geology, and I got a job as a geologist. Uh, anyway, I worked five years as a geologist, and I didn't want to do that anymore. I started looking for other opportunities. and um, I thought, well, maybe I'll own an antique store or uh, a cafe, and that was—I um, was interested in food and in antiques, and so I went and interviewed a few antique dealers and decided that they didn't really make any money. So, um, you know, cafe it was. So that's how I got started. I'd, I had never worked for anyone in the restaurant business before, so uh, my current employees helped told me how other restaurants did certain things and and uh, we started off in a very simple way
0: antiques or the restaurants
2: Mm-mm. i like it yeah. i like i it. It was a good, good
0: antique business restaurant business okay and now the first one was backstreet cafe right
2: that's right uh, then how did that come about well ironically <laughs> in one of its prior uh lives that location had been an antique store so it's kind of interesting but um uh, I was looking around for a location, and um, across the street where Rice Box is now, was a tailor. And so I was taking my clothing to the tailor to get uh, alterations done. I saw I like it was it. for lease, and um, you know I asked my uncle, uh, Jack Blaylock, to help me, and he was very willing, and so we went into business together.
1: And how did you decide on that particular concept
2: um I, well it was just a very simple uh restaurant back then uh sandwiches soups and salads and i uh, it had a bar and um inexpensive and just what i felt i could manage i guess mm-hmm. uh, at the time so
1: and in terms of uh, the education process of learning to be a restaurateur what were some of the things that you Uh, Got from that experience
2: so interesting the uh, a friend of mine said I want to introduce you to my cousin Because my cousin's in the restaurant business and he can help you, you know as you're doing your construction He can give you lessons or something. So um, His name is Ron Riddle, and I did meet with him once a week and he um, Coached me at no cost um, you know, we just met. He gave me reading materials. He told me what kind of costs to, uh, you know, that would be expected for sure. the food or liquor or whatever, and you know how to um, how to run a successful business. And one of the things that he told me uh, that I'll never forget is, if you're not willing to bend over and pick up the package of crackers that fell on the floor, then you're in the wrong business. Mm-hmm. It was just a business of pennies, and you really had to, had to be um, aware of where every dollar went.
0: Sage advice. Mm-hmm. And that was how many years ago?
2: 36. 36 years, years ago.
0: ago. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. Hey, Barry, I think this is a good time to take a moment so we can say thank you to those that actively support the independent restaurant operator, like today's sponsor, Benny Keith Food Company. I don't know if you realize this, but it's been over 100 years or so that they've been offering many, many different products, uh, food, services. And equipment. This is the reason why they're known as the home of the independent restaurant operator. Uh, because they believe in the strong success of the restaurant operator, they offer assistance with management, inventory solutions, menu planning, item costing, and more. So to our listeners, I'd say if you'd like to learn a little bit more about how the professionals at Ben E. Keith can help you and your restaurant succeed and grow, just contact them, 832-652-5888, or visit them on uh, the website benniekeefe. dot slash food slash host. Uh, can we spend a little bit more time on Backstreet after thirty six years now? From those beginnings to the restaurant it is now, um, it's obviously seen so much. Um, how is it? How do you manage to stay relevant and stay current and stay successful? for that long a period of time?
2: I think that's the, right now, it's, it's really the most important question you could ask. I, I think um, things are really moving fast and the way people um, are building restaurants are changing um, and the food choices that are popular are changing um, and the way we track, uh, you know, our progress, uh, you know, our sales and that kind of thing is changing so it's a really difficult to stay up with things, uh, I would say, um, and, uh, you know, Backstreet's uh, in a location that's, uh, that's great for, you know, neighbor. it's in a neighborhood, so that's mm-hmm. great, but it's also around some, some businesses, so, you know, we can get You know lunch business and dinner business and um we own the land and it's paid off so i think um you know that's also helps that's a wonderful situation congrats on that uh, anyway it's uh it's difficult and you have to Mm -hmm. stay um, you know bouncing around a lot you really can't rest
0: That's what I'm hearing. If if our listeners are thinking about staying relevant, it sounds like to me, uh, you're never resting on your laurels. It sounded like what I'm hearing is you're trying to stay current with the customer profile. Uh, You talked about a day and a night day part. You don't ignore either. Um, And if you're able to stay current um, on trend um, and give the customers what um, what they're wanting, then I guess you'll have every opportunity to succeed. Uh, for a long period of time.
2: I think the challenge is you start off with a certain customer base. And when you're open that many years, you're actually, you know, waiting on grandchildren, you know, or children of your previous customers. So Mm -hmm. um, your customer base is ever changing uh, over time. So you have to respond to younger clients so it's it's very challenging how
1: did that drive your menu and your ambiance and style of service this changing demographic uh, that you've experienced over this uh, 36-year period
2: well the the menu uh, changed over time uh, just as we saw a need for one particular menu item we had to Uh, renovate the kitchen obviously from the beginning and uh, we've done that several times and uh, we've renovated the dining room several times and um, so uh, you know when hundreds of people are going through this property that was a home at one time Mm -hmm. it gets pretty beat up so you really have to stay on the the repair and maintenance uh, is a big part of that um so the as the menu developed because of new things we wanted to do we had to it required more than just putting a menu item Mm -hmm. on it required actually renovating um the kitchen so
1: the human story which uh, we all enjoy and i understand that uh you have a uh, kind of a interesting romantic background in the business. You met your future husband working in the restaurant. Speaking of kitchen. And he he is now a celebrated chef, but uh, I'd like to hear this story. It sounds uh, very interesting to me.
2: Well, um, Hugo came to apply for a job uh, back in, I think it was 1987 as a dishwasher. um, He, I had an employee. I needed a busser, or no, a dishwasher, I guess it was. And um, so I had an employee who recommended him, brought him. They um, played soccer together, and uh, so uh, Hugo came to apply for that job. And um, you know, we gave him the job, and he worked very hard. And um, um, funny story that. Occurred back then. Uh, I had a. The chef was a Vietnamese um, woman who had come over, you know, from Vietnam back mm-hmm. uh, as a boat person. And she was very thorough and detail oriented. And she noticed that a slice of chocolate amaretto cheesecake was missing Uh oh! one mm-hmm. slice she noticed <laughs> that could be your so day. she starts looking for it and realize you know she knew it hadn't sold uh, that somebody had taken a slice oh my right? god <laughs> so she starts going through the dishes in the dish pit and oh it pulls this bowl that was turned upside down and under there Hugo had stolen this Uh piece of cheesecake. (laughs) He got into big trouble for Uh that. Anyway, he then um, became a busboy, and um, you know, he said he used to hide in the bushes so he wouldn't be sent home if it was slow. You know, we would send people home if it was slow. And um, he was under Gloria, the longtime bus girl who worked there for 34 years, I think. Mm And she was kind of strict too. Uh, and then later he went to the kitchen to work the grill, okay. and learned that. And um, so, sometime around that time, uh, we all um, went to. Uh, well, that's when Hugo and I got together and make mm-hmm. it short. Um, and so he went to school. He went to Houston Community College right. and. Uh, did that program, and but at that time he really couldn't write English. He, he was learning a little bit to speak English. Right. He had taken some English as a second language, um, but he, he couldn't write it. So he took all his tests orally, and um, that was just great that they allowed him to do that right. over there. And so um, that's how he went to school, and uh, he worked at the same time and
1: was this culinary training that he was going
2: yes through?
1: Uh-huh.
0: okay and you know I, and i and i noticed that he's a big proponent uh he valued that education because he speaks and he's a proponent of community college culinary background that that in addition to the work experience was valuable to him i'm sure it's been valuable to many others
2: yes uh, i think uh, i think you're right i think it's mm-hmm. central to who he is he he is very thankful for that
1: so it's not all learning on the job uh, although a lot of Good chefs come up the uh, ranks through that experience sure. it sounds it sounds as if you and Hugo believe that uh, uh, having that formal education is a uh, important component of your personal development professional development I, I
2: think sometimes you you have gaps otherwise mm-hmm. you know? mm-hmm. yeah uh, so I do I think
1: you need both All right. uh,
2: I think it's very valuable and um, but we also really believe in promoting from within as well so
0: when was there a time that you saw uh, or, or maybe you can remember the particular time that you saw that there was just above and beyond good kitchen uh, ability in Hugo, that there was just tremendous talent that you could build concepts off of or... Uh.
2: Well, I think we would go to dinner and uh, to the Mexican restaurant, and Hugo would say, but this isn't Mexican. I've never seen food like this before. And right. I didn't understand that. So I wanted to learn more about what the food was, where he was from, and so we started studying that together. Um, and then I thought, well, gosh, let's let's do the food, uh, you know, the food that that you know, you know, that would be something new for Houston. And so that's um, kind of happened sort of organically. He had never really seen for example, fajitas, or a taco salad, or a burrito, or um, queso, (laughs) those kinds of things he had never really seen. And he was uh, not, I mean, he came from a fairly moderate mean, so he had not traveled uh, a lot in Mexico. So he didn't really understand that there were culinary regions in Mexico. And um, it was only later when he traveled and saw the food of different regions. And then he understood that, uh, you know, the topography the geography or or the climates were different. And, you know, it's a huge uh, country. So,
0: so I guess one could say then that the creation of the second restaurant, Hugo's, your very successful interior style Mexican restaurant was sort of both out of personal interest as well as to fill a market need.
2: I would say that. I mean, I don't think we knew we had a market need, but, um, you know when you love someone you have a lot of faith in them right mm-hmm. uh, maybe that's blind faith or whatever but you do and so um you know i just felt like he and his brother reuben right. uh, and at that time uh i think we may have had all four brothers working for us uh renee uh, who's since gone on to work for admiral lennon and jose luis who went back to mexico but now is back in the United States working with us at Sochi so we had a team. Excellent. Mm
1: -hmm. When you launched it um, was the market uh, sufficiently adventurous enough to uh, try this different culinary approach to um, uh, quote-unquote Mexican food?
2: You know um the the believe it or not the writers helped us with that uh i don't know if that they knew that they did the but food critics you're yes talking about. um mm-hmm. you know, we were very concerned about that and and i wrote a, a sort of an introduction to what we were doing as the first page on the menus and At that time, we didn't have websites or anything. So um, I couldn't, I was relying on the waiters to tell the story. And when websites came into being, I was so happy because we could actually put it in our own words for everybody to read. But um, at that time, anyway, it was the first page of the menu, and we tried to explain exactly what we were doing, and we didn't want to um, denigrate tex mex uh, you know, we wanted to do things the way, um, uh, you know, in a more Central Mexico way, I guess sure. you could say. Uh, so we had peanuts on the table instead of hot sauce and chips. And But if someone wanted hot sauce and chips, we just gave it to them. Mm-hmm. So we, we didn't want that to become... Um, you know, a point of contention or uh, a reason not to like it or that kind of thing. So um, we just didn't allow that to become part of the conversation. But that's
0: interesting. So you're right. It was. It's. it's it was a. Uh a concept offering but needed to be education at the same time so that the market could learn that there's a whole lot more to that cuisine than what at the time we were used to eating.
2: Right. And so um, several of the writers, um, you know, explained it in a very um, thorough way. And so people received that information and came and tried it and, and, you know, uh, so. That, that's and that was a that while went. ago. How
1: many years has Hugo's been open successfully now?
2: It, it opened in 2002. Okay. That's 17, 17 years. 17
1: years, good. Are you finding the newer dining consumers to be a little bit more
2: adventurous uh, now? Yes, now they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, but back <clears throat> then it wasn't necessarily the case. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, now ethnic cuisines and uh, especially uh you know, sort of unknown, um, authentic recipes, and that kind of thing are very interesting to people. And I think, uh, especially if they've traveled to that place and you have that dish that they had and loved when they were there, um, you know, that makes a connection. And people uh, travel a lot now. That's right. The
0: world's a little smaller uh, to most people. We Mm -hmm. travel and that does help restaurants because we're a little bit more um, accessible. Yeah. And
1: so that's that's very good. Many of our audience, are couples who decided they wanted to launch restaurants together. Uh, sounds like you and your husband uh, went forward as business partners. Um, What can you tell some uh, prospective restaurateurs who want to go down a similar path in terms of the advantages and some of the uh, uh, pitfalls to be watching out for uh, uh, being husband and wife operators of a a growing restaurant business?
2: I think you both have to have your specialty um, and that is, it's good if, uh, for example, for us, um, I'm the person who looks for new locations or who negotiates leases or who uh, makes design decisions um, and Hugo, of course, um, you know, is creating new dishes. Uh, so. You know, he, he is the face of our restaurant group, so he travels quite a bit. And um, that's been really terrific because he gets to work with uh, chefs from other sure. states or even countries and um, gets to meet people and see, see things, uh, you know, outside of our, um, you know, restaurant group. So it helps us grow. And um, so I more or less handle the financial sure, part. Uh-huh. And um, and how to translate what he's doing onto the menu so that it makes sense for English speakers, mm-hmm. and um, and he is uh, more the um, he's the heart and soul of mm-hmm. who we are.
1: And he's truly a celebrated chef. I understand he's won some awards. If uh, I
2: he has of so. high distinction. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You want to tell us a little bit about how yeah. that. <laughs> comes about and jeans beard and uh, and uh, national acceptance of cookbooks and maybe how does that impact the brand
2: I think I think it gives you uh, um, entry into like some events and things like that sure. uh, you get invited to um, be a part of uh, dinners and other cities and or, or festivals or uh, highlighted in some way um, you know, he he was nominated, uh, I think, uh, six times. He won on the sixth try, so six is our lucky number. <laughs> okay. And um, it was so gratifying and yes. uh, so I was so proud of him. It was really one of the greatest moments I think we've ever had. It wow. was just super, and he was so ready that he didn't when they said his name he was like he didn't want him to think it was a mistake he just jumped up and ran over there and, and, uh, let me
0: quickly accept uh yeah. before anyone maybe yeah ask a question in case
2: that was a mistake but uh he didn't even give me a kiss or anything he just jumped up and ran up there wow. so anyway it was a, a great moment for him you know a, like a pivotal almost
0: oh sure so so we have the culinary side being driven by hugo which becomes as you mentioned sort of the heart and soul and the face of the company the business side planning future development and operational decisions on your side i see how that works and obviously it works well because after hugo we've taken two more steps you want to talk about the caracol concept how that came about where you went from there Mm
2: -hmm. yeah um so in 2002 we did Hugo's, in 2013, at the end of 2013, we opened Caracol, and Hugo's favorite food is seafood. He loves seafood, so he Mm -hmm. really wanted to do something representing the coast of uh, Mexico. Was that where he
1: was from then? No. uh,
2: Mm -hmm. He almost never had seafood when he lived in Mexico City and also near the border of Puebla and Oaxaca. you know, I think he'd had maybe a shrimp cocktail. I mean, that's it. So when, um, later when he was about, I don't know, I'm making this up because I don't remember the age, but around 10, Mm -hmm. they took a bus trip to Veracruz to a wedding. And the the wedding in Veracruz, I guess, lasts forever. You know, like it's a week long celebration or something. <laughs> I, I like, like it. That. <laughs> yeah, they're kind of fun loving. So uh, he tried a, like a ceviche on the beach, and it was just really impacted him. So uh, later, you know, when we got together and we traveled and went on vacation, different places. Um, you know, he's real interested in that and. Um, so uh, that was how that was born. He just loved seafood and really wanted to work with more seafood, so. There we go. Uh, Caracol is, represents the, the Mexican food of, uh, you know, on the west side, um, uh, the Baja region, and uh, then also on the, on the uh, Oaxaca side, and, and then Veracruz and that region as well, so. There's a lot to work with, uh, and um, it's uh, you know sort of never ending. You can just do all kinds of things. So uh, that was how we developed that concept. And um, you know, I was reluctant to go to the Galleria because that's the that's sort of the big big boys over there. You know, that pretty expensive time. part of very town. You're right. Very expensive and very. Um, like, uh, I thought it was mostly just a shopping area. That's all I knew about the Galleria growing up, because uh, I'm a Houstonian. But, that was probably uh,
0: just based on your personal use of that's, that part of Thompson. Right.
2: <laughs> so what I found out was it's a very international part of our city. And so there are people from m- all countries over there. And so that was great for us. That ended up being yes. a, a wonderful customer base. So um, Hugo was the one who talked me into Galleria. And uh, then uh, we opened up Sochi downtown in the Marriott Marquis in uh, uh, early 2017. And that I had to be talked into as well because it's downtown and downtown is busy during Mm -hmm. the day, but not at night and so i was worried that not enough people live down there but we in that particular location we had the convention center we had the toyota center we had minimade park the the soccer stadium and then two big hotels that have their own convention business and and then we had discovery green which um, they were doing all kinds of programming there to try to uh, make it a 12-month busy, you know, area. Right. And so I was worried about those months in the summer when nobody's at conventions and things. I understand. So anyway, ended up working out very well.
0: So now you have four restaurants. Explain a little bit how you decided uh, and how you structure, based on those decisions, your support team. I mean, because obviously Hugo on the culinary side, you on the business side, you now have management administration procurement marketing how did you select and how do you manage your team
2: each with each opening we reevaluated how we needed to organize ourselves and uh when we opened um Sochi in particular um we actually hired a business coach to coach all our GMs, chefs, um, and corporate people, uh, in order for them to understand that they would take more responsibility, Mm -hmm. that we may be away for several months uh, trying to get the new restaurant going. So we tried to prepare ourselves. We go over all our training materials again, um, so reorganizing ourselves and considering, you know, just how much work can this person do? Sure. Um, so, uh, whether we need to split things off or, uh, whether we keep the same structure moving forward, or if we have to add, you know, some, a new category, let's just say of work. Okay. So.
0: And that, um. And the, uh sounds like offering leadership development to your leadership team was probably very helpful in helping them um, with their organization, personal development, improve communications, I would assume, or how did that work with that coaching?
2: Um, the coaching was to help people take responsibility for their job. You know, at first, people would say, this is wrong, that's wrong, and the coach would allow them to sort of vent any, anything that uh, they felt we could do better. And then uh, he would report to me, okay, mm-hmm. here are the things this person uh, feels, uh, you know, need improvement and then he would turn it around to that person and say now how are you going to improve your performance how you know how are you going to become more independent how are you going to take this you know this job seriously how you know so it became a self-improvement kind of a focus after that and um so you know we just took the time to listen and we had uh we did this over a number of weeks so Mm -hmm. each person probably saw him over uh maybe six eight times and the first couple of times are all like you know uh, more or less complaining and but then it turned around and we're complaining and they to were, improvement and they're yes working on themselves
0: And that's getting the uh, um, responsibility of the job and the accountability of their actions to be equal.
2: Right. And then... um, Good principle. It really did work uh, well. And then, uh, you know, we all had to mentally get ready for this new project and this new work. And, um, you know, you want to make sure that you cross all your T's and dot your I's because, you know, so much is at stake. So uh, getting some help from a professional seemed like the right thing to do.
1: As your business had grown, what areas in terms of your professional development became critical to managing that? Was it human resources, was it marketing, was it finance operations, all of the above? Were there some things that you found that were particularly valuable in terms of how you developed yourself as a, a business leader?
2: That's a lot of questions, I know. and one. Um, <laughs> I think that one of the things that developed um, recently, I mean, in, in the last five or six years, is HR. Um, that uh, you know, I had, talk about promoting from within. We had um, a woman named Taj Walker who uh, was a hostess for us, and then uh, she left to go be a bank teller, and. Had her children, and um, and then she came back, and uh, she helped like uh, train the hostesses, and then, you know, she ended up sort of organically working into a job where she headed up our HR, and uh, she's sort of head of our IT at the same time, and um, she's the person who sends out the emails telling you know what's going on with our group. Um, But she and I would go to seminars and, you know, Mm -hmm. we just sort of learned all the, the, try to keep ourselves abreast of all the things that are going on with labor uh, laws. And um, so that's one area that Mm -hmm. I would say we really expanded upon. But as you grow, that's one of the things that we ended up having to do as we grew restaurants. You know, in Mm -hmm. the very beginning, the GM did the payroll, for example. Okay and then yes uh so um then you know when you have four payrolls you you know to watch it seemed better to have that under under me rather than having that like spread out you know because it's the biggest cost we have is people sure so we wanted to make sure that we were handling that properly and um there are a lot of um Laws relating to tipped employees and that kind of thing that you really don't want a GM handling. You'd rather have that handled Mm -hmm. by somebody who knows what the laws are. Mm -hmm. So, um, anyway, and with the Me Too thing, you want to make sure that you have somebody there to to respond to any kind of um, complaints in that Mm -hmm. area or, um, you know, who's aware of uh, what the laws are as far as uh, terminating mm-hmm. someone, or or when they're full or part time, and the and the insurance, and there's so many issues. Well,
1: so. Chris, it always goes back to the people, as you always mention.
0: People, I know it mm-hmm. starts with people, and 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 for obvious <clears throat> reason, there's a lot of um ongoing issues the selection the training then the supervision there's the management of payroll there's the tipping issue there's the promote from within which is a great thing but that requires systems and that requires evaluation but this has nothing to do with
2: serving customers not yet exactly
0: that's what i mean we
2: haven't
0: even gotten gotten to that part
2: right
0: yeah so i can understand why that that uh, it took a lot of your attention because it's a people business
2: it is. So, um, I mean, that's one area that I would say that we really did expand on. Um, and then recently, I mean, I think even somebody who has one restaurant or somebody who has 30 restaurants has the same, uh, is facing some of the same changes uh, as far as technology goes. And so that's something that we're really looking at now. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we're looking at um, programs for um Analytics, and uh, we're looking at uh, programs for reservations that might be easier for the customer to sign into, Excellent. and uh, help us gather uh, more data on our customer, you know, base, and then um, keep track of reservations in a better way, make it easier, um, and uh, we're. Also looking at, uh, or not looking at, but we also adopted uh, a program that helps us buy. Uh, so um, it's uh, it's called Simple123. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's something uh, new to us and that's been very interesting as well. So this summer, that's what we've been doing is researching that as well as uh, delivery. We're beginning to look at that too. I mean, we have, we use Favor right now exclusively, but we're, We always like to revisit things so that we know um, what's changing and that's always morphing.
1: What's your direction or your sentiment regarding third-party delivery? Um, uh, Is that something you think is going to be a, a bigger and bigger part of your uh, business. It's, it's kind of controversial for just about every operator I talk to for reasons we all know. Because it's expensive? Expensive. Yeah. And because, for one.
2: and then you're saying because you put your food you're in else's hands. You're putting your food hands. in somebody's hands. I think so. all, all of those things. I think so.
1: so I think those are the two things uh, that
0: people are, are right now just trying to get a better handle on. And that is, how do we handle the cost? How do we manage the quality? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, what are your thoughts on that?
2: Um, well, uh, okay. Most of our restaurants are fine dining, so uh, we have less delivery than somebody who is, you know, more uh, casual and yes. less expensive. Sure. So, um, you know, we have it, and we are, we do a fairly significant to-go business, but um, I feel like, you know, the future, I mean, things are changing so yeah. fast. Um, uh, we have to be accessible to our guests in all ways because they can go to the grocery store and get a chicken breast with some green beans and potatoes for $7.50 and take it home and heat it up in the oven. And even if they don't cook, they can do that, Mm -hmm. right? It got to be where everybody was eating out all the time. And now with home delivery, you know, Subscriptions and those kind of little meals. Now they're eating at home again, so we need to address that because you know we need to be a part of that if -hmm. that's the trend. So Mm -hmm. um, anyway, I we are beginning to look at that more and more, and uh, it's you know Taj is our person on that (laughs) as well. Out of way, Taj. Yeah.
0: Well, um, and then well, you mentioned, of course, how uh, technology is used for managing and keeping up on the administrative and technology side. Uh, how, uh, how is technology impacting even the way you manage your brand now and you plan your marketing? Because marketing seems to be so different uh, with the way people are utilizing information, social media, mm-hmm. uh, than the way restaurants used to be able to promote their brands just not that many years ago.
2: Right. Um- well, uh, you can reach a much broader audience now, I mean, even in other countries and you know uh, other states, and uh, you know Hugo connects with other chefs so it's it's a very interesting time right now, but we obviously we're um, Hugo has Instagram that he uses exclusively pretty much mm-hmm. um, and some Facebook and he doesn't really use it as much, but he responds to things on Messenger. But um, then we do email campaigns. We have, uh, we post on, uh, for all the restaurants on social media, Facebook or uh, Instagram. Um, and then um, what are some other things? Well, the, the for us right now, the email thing, even though that's sort of maybe a little bit old-fashioned it's really working for us because we have a huge following following on that Uh, about 80,000. so whenever we want to do an event we can fill that event because we have so many um you know email um people on our email list so
1: sounds like your open rate is pretty good then
2: um, yeah. I mean, usually within a day or two, we fill like a wine dinner or, you know, whatever kind of event we're doing, mm-hmm. um, you know, so, you know, those are fun. That's a fun way. We've got some coming up for the holidays where we've got events at, at the different restaurants um, uh, that we we have. Internal events as well as customer driven events, but the internal events like we have Santa come into Backstreet on a couple of mm-hmm. nights, and we have um, a posada mm-hmm. at Hugo's, sure. and uh, we have book signing at Caracol, and you know, we have um, uh, a buffet on Christmas Eve at Hugo's. So, we want to tell everybody about these different activities that we're doing, and uh, we have holiday lunch where you can bring your staff and it's like a little set menu and a reasonable cost and so we do that two times in december at each restaurant and um and we're just trying Got to have fun fun right. things to do right you know
0: what and about, that seems to work event planning and and uh, you're direct to your target group marketing
2: right excellent that. uh-huh
1: what about community involvement um things things that you are supporting or just uh, the ways that you're involved in the community to uh, bring positive attention to your concepts. Can you talk a little bit about that?
2: Yeah. I mean, um, we just did a dinner for urban harvest. The, um, um, what am I trying to say The the, um, um, food, you know,
0: well, it's, it wasn't that food bank related. Um, and no,
2: not the food bank, but um, um, Farmers Market. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. sure. Um, so we did an event for them, the Beacon, um, which is um, services for homeless uh, associated with Christ Church Cathedral. We've done an event uh, for the last five or six years or longer, maybe, with them. Um, HCC uh, um, okay. Hugo uh, raises money for them um, whenever he's asked to do a, um, you know a, an appearance at a event or something uh, we raise money for uh, HCC um, also just trying to think there, there are many things mm-hmm. community events or uh, causes that um, You know, we did a a dinner in somebody's home that they auctioned off for autism, no Uh autism. Um, So you know, Hugo's very, I mean, he makes appearances and does, you know, cooks for different you know, charitable causes all the time.
0: So these things sound like they're beneficial from a personal satisfaction level as well as um, you've decided it's a proper way for you to place your brands. Right. So
2: actual... some things are from us and some things we're helping others out with their charitable
1: uh, uh-huh. cause. Doing well by doing good, there's nothing wrong with that.
0: I think it's a wonderful thing that restaurants can do more of. Uh, Mm -hmm. You've also chosen, I think, to stay very active in uh, restaurant-related associations, uh, local, chapter, statewide associations. Um, So is that part of a continuing education thing that you find benefit for, or how else is it maybe advantageous uh, to you? uh, For
2: the reason that I joined the Restaurant Association, was to keep my um, myself up on issues uh, that were affecting our business. So, uh, legal issues, uh, uh, labor laws, alcohol okay. laws, um, you know, health. Um, I just wanted to have my finger on the pulse of what was happening. And mm-hmm. it, otherwise, it just happens to you, and you don't know. And we're all kind of buried in our business. Um, and so if we allow ourselves to just be buried in our business, things, laws change and we don't even know it. So I think that's, it's very important to be um, up on things and that was the best way that I found to do that. Um, plus I made a lot of friends in the restaurant business, both statewide and, um, and in the city that I probably would have never met. So uh, it's been real interesting. Oh, well, that's um, good. Yeah, now our daughter is involved in that. And, you know, she's at the Hilton Hotel School doing the graduate program. And, you know, she is going to all kinds of restaurant events and things with the association. So it's been very helpful to her as well.
1: Wonderful. Tracy, what do you see as key challenges facing today's independent operator?
2: Hmm. Um, I I would say that. the financial challenges would be rents going up. Um, would be, uh, you know, negotiating a good lease is is a big challenge. Um, and then uh, dealing with an employee shortage um, and when, what to pay, mm-hmm. in order to keep a stable staff, um, uh, health insurance. Um, is another financial challenge uh, that was sort of a big one uh, to go from not offering it to offering it is, is a uh, really big expense mm, course. Uh, I mean it's a good thing to do but it's um, it requires some planning yes um, and um, uh, managing people is probably mm-hmm. one of the biggest challenges we have um, um, you know, as well as being relevant, you know, trying to stay up with things and, uh, you know, change with the times sure. and, uh, you know, keep a team together. Mm-hmm. just. There's, there's challenges in every well, aspect yes. of it, I think. Well, I think, yes. I
0: know. You're you're pretty much uh, hitting them. I, I would think you're right for every listener out there to know that uh, the things that you've been uh, hitting on are just so pertinent to today's thought. Uh, staying relevant, keeping current, um, occupancy costs, finding the right sites. You've talked about the labor market, increasing competition. These are obviously concerns and
2: challenges that will have
1: to be met in the future. And you have to always keep educating yourself at... Um would appear
2: yes yes really do Uh, that's another reason for uh, joining the Restaurant Association is that there are all kinds of educational um, opportunities uh, where they bring in experts to speak on immigration law or on labor laws uh, or on technology or something yeah. and so it's nice to be able to go to those there last like an hour or two and you're mm-hmm. you know you get something mm-hmm. you know some new knowledge that you can apply
0: well Tracy you've been delightful and your insights are pertinent and I think the listeners are getting gaining some tremendous wealth uh, from your knowledge uh, we like to do a little wrap up here where you might be able to tell us just a couple of quick insights just about you if you'd like to participate in what we call our "Fade Five. Just five quick questions, just so the listeners know a little bit more about Tracy Vaught. First one would be, uh, what's your go-to food? When it's just you and you want comfort, what's your favorite grab food item?
2: Well, I'm on a diet.
0: So it's not an Oreo cookie. <laughs> no.
2: Uh, you know, I, I struggle with my weight my entire life. And so now I'm on a um, following the keto diet. So I found some chocolate bars that are um, sweetened with stevia. Uh, And so that's what I go. That's that's my guilty pleasure.
0: Favorite place to visit. Best trip,
2: perhaps. I recently went to Greece and I really enjoyed that. Um, Love the culture, love the food beautiful. God, that
1: sounds great. I'm ready to go. Favorite mm-hmm. restaurant other than your own, of course.
2: Mm. Wow, um, you're really you're getting me. I'll um, <laughs> well, go
1: back to chocolate bars. <laughs> uh,
2: maybe. I mean, if we talk about. Um, like where the degree of difficulty is so high, you know, like La or something, mm, yeah. that's wonderful, but uh, also there's places to go that just, you know, that it's gonna be good for you, comfortable for you, it's gonna be food you like. Uh, Hugo and I love to go to Good Company Seafood and we always get the same thing. We always get a Campuchana extra mm. and we always get grilled catfish with salsa on top i like it so and some oysters raw oysters so uh that would be my more casual favorite place to go how
0: about a favorite person someone who's been a major influencer or mentor
2: um that would be one of my grandmothers um a very a very fair person very loving person Um, you know I spent my summers with her uh, at a ranch near Kerrville and um, that's where I learned to cook Um, it's beautiful and Mm -hmm. so
0: anyway my my wife would pick her grandmother too
2: Mm mm-hmm yeah grandmothers are great because they really they have time and they spend it with you without judgment and all that you know so that's true Hugo would pick his
1: too. And what about a favorite book, or even a passage from some literature that uh, is meaningful to you?
2: Mm. Um, Probably the favorite book, recent book that I have read is, um, uh, I wish I'd name. I think it's by Shonda Rhimes. Mm -hmm. I think that uh, that's her name. Um, And it was about saying yes to life and um, how sometimes we say no, 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 and we end up in a box, you know. Mm -hmm. um, And uh, in her life, she decided to turn that around and say yes to a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And um, she wrote about how it broadened her life and uh, with experiences rich, made it rich and, and fulfilling and she did a lot of scary things, like speak in front of um, large groups and that kind of thing. And uh, she became much more successful. And um, uh, I think she wrote, um, I don't watch that much TV, but it was like a, a, a program on television with um, doctors that's kind of a soap opery type thing. It was. Gray's Anatomy, maybe. Didn't you do Grey's Anatomy? Yeah, I say, I Grey's Anatomy? Uh, uh, yeah. yeah sorry. I like anyway, fantastic uh, fantastic. But the, the book program. was yeah. the yeah. message was really great, I thought. So I think that's great. That's it's beautiful. a good way to live.
0: That's mm-hmm. beautiful.
2: Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, thanks again mm-hmm. for joining Barry and I on the corner booth. Um, and and taking Happy the time. To be here. And we couldn't uh, be happier with uh, with the time that you gave us, the insights that you provided. So thanks again and best of luck, continued success.
2: Thank you so much. Thank
0: you. And thanks again to all our friends at Benny Keith Food Company for sponsoring us here at The Corner Booth. They're the home of the independent restaurant operator because they believe in your success. If you're interested in learning more about how their products, services, and other value-added items can help you grow and succeed, please contact them, 832-652-5888, or visit them on the web, BennyKeith.com slash food. Slash host. Hey, thanks for joining us today on the Corner Booth. Until next time, it's Chris Triplett and Barry Schuster saying thanks so much. Hope to see you again soon, right here in the Corner Booth. Till then, go make it a good shift.